So he claims that waking up tomorrow would be kind of exhilarating. And when I heard the word exhilarating in this clip, I thought of one thing. And it was when Chris and I ran the Tough Mudder this summer. And there was an event in the Tough Mudder. One of the obstacles is called the Arctic Enema. And the Arctic, <laughs> the Arctic Enema for ours, this is, this is the weenie version of it. There was a tougher version, and we did the tougher version. But it's a big slide where you slide down underwater, and then you have to go under a wall and come back up and climb out of, of this big tub filled with water. And the water was cooled to 34 degrees. And so it was shocking. I don't know if you've ever been in 60-degree water, but 60-degree water is cold. 34-degree water is insane. And, but I remember climbing out of it. And you, you kind of go into it, and it's kind of this awful experience. But then when I, I don't know about Chris and, and the other people that did it, but when I came out of it, it was on mile marker three, I think, three and a half, something like that. I felt so good and so alive and so refreshed coming out of that water. It was like an 85, 90-degree day. And uh, all the mud, because I, I entered the water caked in mud. I had mud all over my knee braces and my shorts and my shoes. We had been slogging through mud for miles. And uh, all that mud was washed away. And I just felt a lot. I felt like I could do three more miles. And so he talks about if you just took everything, if you took all your stuff, your knickknacks, your car, your couch, the photo albums, everything, and just set it ablaze, he used the word exhilarating. And to me, it's kind of like an Arctic enema. It's, it's kind of like, no, no. But then, ah, oh, yeah. I, I can't believe I just made those sounds in conjunction with the word enema. <laughs> but there would be something to waking up tomorrow without all the stuff. And you see this theme all throughout Scripture. We've been talking about the discipline of simplicity. And just uh, the idea of simplifying your life, getting rid of all the junk, getting rid of all the stuff, and, and being, folk, being primarily focused on the one thing, which is God. And so I want to talk about the discipline of simplicity today, and I want to talk about coats, cups, and kitty stuff just very briefly. People have their pet sins. They have their pet doctrines in Scripture. Everybody does it. Nobody's a biblical literist across the board, but they'll read certain passages of scripture and they'll make that and usually it's a sexual sin of some sort that becomes the sin the sin or or it could be dietary in some sense or it could be guys growing their hair long or girls cutting their hair short i mean there's people that latch on to all these things in scripture and what i've found is there's this one passage that i think is just really it's just this very if you ever wanted to say the bible says it i believe it there it's so here's a passage because john the baptist was the guy that jesus said was the number one guy Jesus said, John the Baptist, of all people who ever lived, he's the best. He's the best human that ever lived. Jesus said this about him. And this is something John the Baptist said. He said, if you have two coats, give one to the poor. I mean, he just says, he says, those of you, he uses the word tunics, actually. That's why it's in those brackets. Tunics. It's kind of a shirt, kind of a coat, kind of a dress. But he says, he says if you've got two of these things, you ought to give one of them away. And so it's this idea of not accumulating stuff of giving your stuff away. That's the discipline of simplicity is I'm just going to keep life simple. Do I really, do I need a big red fur coat? Do I really? Does anybody ever really need a big red fur coat? Jesus, and you have to be careful when you read scripture that you don't take something that Jesus said to a particular people at a particular time and think that it specifically applies to every person everywhere. But you can read in generalities into a lot of this stuff. So when Jesus was talking to these people, like you're about to see, um, he's, he's, he's sending them out. He's sending his disciples out two by two from village to village saying, go tell, just like Bethany's doing, go tell people about me. That's what Jesus was saying. And he said, go out there and heal the sick and raise the dead and do all these miracles that I have been doing. And here's some of the instructions he gives them. He says, freely you have received, freely give. 
Do not take gold, silver, or copper in your belts, no bag for the journey, or an extra tunic, or sandals, or staff. He says, don't get weighed down in stuff. Get weighed down in going out there and connecting with people, and healing people, and bringing restoration to people. He says, forget the stuff. Just leave the stuff behind. And in, 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 in the Sermon on the Mount, which is his consummate work, he says these words. He says, don't accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he says this. He says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? And he goes on to say, look at the sparrows and the fields. And he says, he says they, they, they don't do all the work that you do, striving and trying and trying to make things happen. And God takes care of them. And they're as beautiful as King Solomon ever was in all his best regalia. He says, they get well fed. God will take care of you. So it's almost a central teaching of Jesus that you ought to just ditch the stuff. That you ought to practice a life of simplicity. Cups. My wife and I, before we planted Daylight Church, we sold our home. It was a 2,400 square foot house. Beautiful. Lots of rooms. Lots of closet space. And uh, when we decided to do this, we put it on the market. And two weeks later, it was gone. And we had nowhere to live. And so we moved into a 600 square foot apartment for about nine months. And in our 600-square-foot apartment, in the kitchen, there were two, two bottom-level cabinets for our pots and pans next to the oven. And then there was one shelf about this wide and about this long. That was all the cabinet space we had. And so we had to take our kitchen at home, which was probably, I don't know, it was probably 400 square feet, just the kitchen at our old house. We had to take all that stuff and move it into this little apartment so that we could be mobile and we could get things going. And so this is an actual picture of what I was allowed. I was allowed one plate. These are our, this, that's our plates, and that's my cup. I got that cup because I can do coffee and drinks out of it, right? And it had a lid, so I could take it with me. So that was my cup. And I got one cup, and I got one bowl, and I got one plate, and a fork, and a spoon, and then we had a knife collection that would sit up next to the stove. And, and I got to think, I mean, that's pretty simple. That, that's most of us would look at that and say, oh, I, you know, I don't even know if I could live like that for very long. But here's what I found. I found it was really easy. And my memories of that time in that 600-square-foot apartment is that I was as happy as I've ever been in my entire life. There was not a moment that I sat in there thinking, oh, this is just miserable, all three of us together. Now, we had one little futon couch for the three of us, and my wife was super prego at that point. So watching movies was not comfortable. That was really the only downside. But having one cup, here's what I found. I'd go to need a drink. And instead of grabbing another cup, I would have to go find my cup. And I would keep it clean. And so I didn't end up with this endless accumulation of cups on my desk, which I do when I have 20 cups at home. I found out that life was a little bit more organized. It was a little easier. It was free. It just, the, just that simple thing of only having one knife and only having one fork and only having one spoon meant that the, the dishes never piled up. We were free from dishes piling up. It's because life was so simple that life was easy. And when you simple, I see wives nudging their husbands. I don't know what the dishes piling up thing sparked over here, but. Kid stuff. We bought just this week, because we've got a new house now, and it's 2,400 square feet, and we're filling it with stuff. And, and uh, we found it, because Craigslist is our life. I mean, we live on Craigslist, and we found this playset on Craigslist for 50 bucks. Really nice playset with a slide, and we have two kids and a third on the way. And so Kara's, my, Kara, my wife, is saying, oh, we need this for the backyard. And uh, so I go tear it down at this, these people's house and load it in my truck. And just this weekend, we put it back together. And so we're going to have this nice little play set for our kids. 
but here's the deal. Now that we have this play set, it's in this awkward spot in our yard that's going to make mowing just a pain in the butt. It's going to be awful to have to mow around this sucker. And then, and then you know, each of those little braces that's in the ground, you have to weed eat around. So this is, this is eight more things that I need to weed eat around every single time I weed eat. And it's another, I'll say five minutes extra mowing and ten minutes extra time. And then the weed eater cable... Those cords cost money. It's like eight bucks every two times we mow our lawn because those cables break. So I'm figuring we're adding about 15 cents per mow. And so here's the deal. We added this stuff, we added some kitty stuff, and all of a sudden life became just slightly more complicated. Not a whole lot, not inconceivably so, but enough to where when you do that a thousand times in your life, suddenly you're underwater. And everything you add to your life when it comes to stuff adds responsibility. It adds concern. It adds worry. So maybe Jesus and John the Baptist were on to something here. Maybe they were saying, decumulate. And maybe they're really legitimate. Maybe, maybe it's not because God's a spoil sport and he just wants you not to have any fun. Maybe it's because he really wants you to have an exhilarating, exciting life. And he knows stuff will bog you down. Last, last time we talked two weeks ago about this, we talked about how there's two extremes to this. There's materialism on one side. It's the stuff that you can touch and feel and you want and you crave. And, and that can turn into heresy or something that destroys your life. And then on the other side is asceticism or a legalism. It's saying, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have. And neither of those are represented in Scripture. And we talked about what Scripture has to say about it. But instead, there's this road of simplicity that goes down the middle. It's this road of having what you need, and being content with what you have. And the more I thought about it, I felt like the graphic ought to look a little bit more like that. I, I feel like if you examine Scripture carefully, uh, it definitely does say that your life ought to be a little bit more consumed with spiritual stuff than it is what's going on here around you that you can touch and smell and, and hear. And so I came up, you know, Jesus himself said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And in that same passage where he says, Don't worry about what you're wearing, don't worry about what you're going to eat. He follows it with this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things will take care of themselves. He says, if you will seek God's kingdom first, all the stuff will fall in line. But put God first. So I have six tips for you that I want to run through real quickly that I think kind of illustrate sort of what we're talking about with the discipline of simplicity. And remember from two weeks ago, what we're talking about is an inward reality that is, that is shown in an outward expression. So you can try to discipline your life as an expression of, of, of duty or of law, and it will mean nothing. We're talking about on the inside, you think, you know, I want to be free. I don't need all this stuff. There's more important things in life. And then that does express itself through material simplicity. So here's my first tip. Don't. Jen Hatmaker wrote a book called The Seven Experiment, and we went through it this summer as a group. And she talked about how she went in her closet and she counted her clothing articles, and it was something like 480 articles of clothing stuffed in this little closet. And I don't know if you guys have closets like this, but I did for some time. And I'm not even well-dressed. I mean, you can see me. I'm a slob. I get it, right? But I had all these shirts, and I'm just like you. I would go in and stare at them and say, I've got nothing to wear. It's insanity. And so my wife and I made a pledge that we were going to ditch X amount of clothes. And my number was 75. I said, I'm going to go in my closet and I'm going to get rid of 75 articles of clothing. And I ended up getting rid of like 130 articles of clothing because I thought, you know, I hadn't worn that in two years. And, and if I don't have those pants anymore, well, this shirt won't work. And I just ditched stuff. And you know what I found out? I haven't missed it at all. 
I've hardly even noticed that it's gone. I still go in, and you guys will see, I have a rotation of about 10 shirts that I wear, and that's what I'm going to look like, so just get used to it. But it's simple. It's not complex. I don't always have to have the matching belt and shoes. I don't always have to have everything perfectly in place. It's just a, it's, it's a freer life when you decumulate. Second tip is fear the reacher. We were at a yard sale. We do a lot of yard sales, a lot of Craigslist sales, a lot of eBay shopping. And we were at a yard sale. And at the yard sale, my wife gets back in the car after we leave the sale, and she pulls out one of these. They, my, my wife and kid call it the grabber. And she says, look at the grabber I bought. What do you need to grab? Well, I mean, what, what are you going to do with that? She says, you know, so you can reach stuff in high places. I said, we have stools for that. What do you need a grabber for? And she said, well, it was only a dollar. And I'm thinking, that was a waste of a dollar. And after months and months of the grabber being around our home, guess how many times it was used? Zero, just as I would have predicted that day. And eventually, we sold it in a yard sale for a dollar. It sat on top of our refrigerator for like a year and a half, where you would need a grabber to get to the grabber. And eventually, we sold it. And so my, here's a question you always need to ask yourself is, do I need that? You're, there's a, and, and just because it's on sale doesn't mean you need it. You say, because here's what retailers do. They, they mark something up 900%, and then they mark it down 50%, and you think you're getting a bargain. They'll say, you got to have this, got to have it, and it's on sale just today, buy now, and you can have it right here, right now. And you think, oh, i got to have it. It'll make my tea sweeter. It'll make this, th I mean, you know, it'll, I, I can bedazzle my shirt. What? So ask yourself the question, and, 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 and the next one ties into it is wait for it. So don't buy on impulse. Don't buy because something's on sale, but wait. So just make it your habit, especially with expensive purchases, that I will never buy something expensive on impulse. I'm going to stop, I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to think, do I really need a microwave that will also dry my clothes? You know, I mean, you're going to hear all these doodads, and you have to stop and think, you know, how long have I gone without this object, and have I been happy? So stop and think. Just recently, I, I go to a music festival every year. This is a picture of me and my friends at that festival. We have an area we call Hammock City, set up in a barn, and we set up about 25 hammocks. And during the days, we just lay around. And we just talk and enjoy each other. People come from Canada and Minnesota and Kentucky and Florida and all over the place, and we meet in this one location every single year. And I made about 20 hammocks one year. I went to Walmart, I bought their fabric that was a dollar a yard, and I made a bunch of hammocks. I double-stitched them, ran ropes through them. And so for years, my hammocks were the hammocks at Hammock City. But then all these guys started showing up with these fancy camping hammocks. And there's these brand-name hammocks. They're like $85, $90, and they've got the ratchets where you just have to use the beaner and stretch it out and pull it. I have to climb up stuff and tie it in sailor's knots. and I mean, it's just so easy. So I want these hammocks. And recently, very similar hammocks came on sale on Woot.com. And my wife calls me. She says, you got to get on Woot. So I get on Woot. And they're $35. They're normally $90. And they're $35. And I think, man, i I got to do this. And I'm thinking, where can I come up with enough money to buy 38 of these things? And, and I thought, OK, that's ridiculous. So OK, maybe I can buy four this year. So if I could come up with $130. And, and I thought, OK, wait. Because Woot, if you don't know Woot.com, it expires in one day. You get one day to buy the stuff, and then it's gone forever. 
And so I thought, I got to get on it, got to get on it. And I thought, wait, 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 wait. Because this is my policy. Don't buy, wait. And so later, I, I just said, Kara, I'm going to wait. I said, I'm not going to move on this. And so later that night, we got to talking about it, and I got on Amazon.com, and what I found out is that there's like these generic hammocks that are just like the real deals without the names, and they sell them consistently on Amazon with Amazon Prime shipping for like 28 bucks. I never knew that. I never knew it. And they come with the ratchet straps. The, the ones on Woot did not. So you're talking about $120 value for 25 bucks, and here's my point, is a lot of times, if you'll just say, whoa, 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 if you'll put the brakes on a purchase, you're going to come out way ahead. If you'll just wait a little while, God can either provide it for you for free, he'll give you a discounted price, or he'll reveal to you that you just don't need this thing. So the part of the discipline of simplicity is waiting. It's saying, do I need it now? Is this something I have to have now? Guys with tools are like this. I've got to drive a nail. That means I've got to go buy a hammer. No, you don't. Your, your buddy's got a hammer, but be the guy that returns the hammer, okay? Unless you're a carpenter, you don't need a miter saw. You can rent a miter saw for much cheaper. And so the, the, the point is, again, here, and here, here it goes into step three, is you don't have to own to enjoy. Now, Bill Clark's here, and Bill owns a Mustang convertible like this. And I'm convinced that the reason Bill Clark owns a Mustang convertible is so that he can take me for rides when spring comes and put the top down. I'm, I'm just convinced this is divine mandate, okay? God has spoken. And uh, now if I ride in the Mustang convertible with Bill, I can have two attitudes. One, I can say, man, what a great day. Bill, thanks a lot for the ride. Man, what a great car. Are you going to let me drive? Are you going to let me drive? And so I can have that, that happy. Are you going to let me take it out on a date with my wife? Because that would be sweet. Um, or I can sit there and I can secretly think, why does Bill get a Mustang convertible? Why can't I have a Mustang? How come I've never gotten the brakes? Well, it's because Bill's busted his tail as, a, as, a, as an airline pilot for years and years and years, and you haven't. He's worked his tail off for that convertible. But if I sit there with this attitude of covetousness, which is one of the big ten, and say, I want, I want, I want, I'm not even going to enjoy the ride. The ride will be ruined on me. And so if you take time to enjoy, let's say you're thinking about buying a house, and you think, well, man, a house with two acres would be great, and it's got a pond, and that's two acres you've got to mow or pay someone to mow. It's trouble. So instead, start shopping for a house near a public park and learn to enjoy without owning. I'm not saying you can't buy a house without two acres. I'm not saying you can't want your own Mustang convertible. But what I'm talking about is a heart condition that says, I don't have to own anything. I can enjoy every single day regardless of what I own, what is mine. I don't know how this picture got in there. Somebody snuck that in there, but this is what Karen and I do. Karen and I try to be very, very careful about our money constantly. We question our purchases, and so when it comes time to take a vacation, there's an abundance of money left over that we can do something big, like rent a Mustang convertible and drive through the Florida Keys. We don't have to own to seriously enjoy and to share with each other. And if you're careful with your money across the board, all kinds of experiences open up. All kinds of generosity becomes possible. When you're cons consistently simple across the board, you're able to give in ways that you never dreamed you would be able to give. And so simplicity opens all kinds of doors, whether it's fun or whether it's generosity. I want you to learn to ridicule the machine. I saw an ad recently for a credit card company, and in the ad, apparently you get these credit card rewards that come with your card. And... Uh, 
So it showed this, this couple opening up their credit card statement and smiling and, you know, clicking their wine glasses together and then going out for these elaborate meals and swiping the card and then going shopping and wearing these fine gowns and swiping the card and then going on vacation to Greece and standing out there in front of these ancient buildings and smiling at each other and swiping the card. I don't think you swipe cards at the Parthenon, but they were. And, uh, and then you see them going to the car dealership and all these rewards on their card have added up to a $2,300 discount on their brand new car. And they're clicking their wine glasses together. And I just look at that and I think, stupid. That's, that's the thought that's in my head. I'm thinking, you don't understand finances at all. The only reason they're giving you 3% back is because they know they're going to average 15% from you over the long haul. Now, there's exceptions. You can be good with credit card rewards. My wife and I, every date night we go on is paid for by credit card rewards. I'm not saying you shouldn't have them. But let me, let, me, let me give you this. You show up at the car dealership, and my, I guarantee they find out that you've got that $2,300 reward. They're not going to discount you like they would if you didn't have it. You just got robbed. And, but we buy the machine. We see the ad, and we see, I want the gown. I want the trip to the Parthenon. I want to clink my wine glasses together. i got to have this credit card. And it's everywhere. It's this machine feeding you. You must have. You must have. You want more. You need more. I was on Kickstarter recently. Kickstarter is a great company, but they were selling these titanium keychains, and uh, I mean, they're really nice, handmade titanium keychains. And they, my guess is that they separate easier than the stainless steel keychains that you're used to. And so, and they show this ad, and there's music playing, and and there's moms hugging their sons and getting the keys out from under the rug so they can visit home. And you leave the commercial thinking, I need a titanium key ring. <laughs> but they're $15. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal. It seems like a nice gift to somebody. But here's my point is, how did you survive, for in my case, 42 years, without a titanium key ring before? Well, just fine. I mean, the keychain I have works. Unless, unless you're like a custodian over an entire building complex and you've got to be whipping your keys out all the time, I'm guessing that little silver ring will last you a really long time. You don't need the titanium keychain, and you certainly don't need the ostrich pillow. <laughs> this is no joke. Ostrich pillows sell for 100 bucks online. And apparently, they're staying in business. I, I think you'd be better off just taking lipstick and writing the word dork on your forehead and going through your day. But apparently, it's the pillow where you can sleep anywhere. So they've got pictures of people on trains with the ostrich face sticking out. Pictures of people when they should be studying, sleeping on desks. And you look at something like this, and you think, I would be an idiot to buy that. But the machine feeds you idiotic stuff all the time time and you buy it. And so we just want to be a people that says, I want, I want to be a person that when an ad comes on TV, in my mind, I am able to ridicule it. I'm able to say, that's ridiculous. I don't need that. And I want to train my kids to be that way. Doesn't mean you don't have nice things. Doesn't mean you don't go on nice vacations. It just means you're not a robot programmed to spend money every single time the market wants you to spend money. It means you think about what you spend. And so you, you have to ask the question, am I thinking clearly? So you pause, you wait, you say, do I need this? Am I thinking about this clearly? Let's take, do I need it right now? Can I wait? And then make purchases eventually. And then finally, 
I want you to find your status. I bought some Oakley sunglasses when I was in college. I was a volleyball player, played competitive volleyball for years, and we were always playing on the beach. And of course, the sun is bright, and I thought, man, I've got to have me some nice shades. And this was back in probably 1994, and I spent $116 on a pair of sunglasses. And of course, $116 then is probably $200 now. And I had these sunglasses, and they had the red mirrored reflective lenses on them. And I passed the volleyball so much better when I was wearing them. And two weeks after I bought them, no joke, my dog ate them. <laughs> Did my status as a volleyball player change that day? Did my personality, I mean, I was probably kicking the wall or beating the dog. I don't know what I was doing. I didn't beat the dog, people. Calm down. <laughs> That's what dogs do. But do you see, with or without the sunglasses, I was unchanged as a person. And that's what you have to understand is stuff will never define you. You think if I have X item or X fishing boat or X golf clubs or, or the right dress or, or even take the right vacation, you think that that will make you someone. And that is just simply false. That's the machine feeding you lies. It's absolutely false. So the question is why? Why buy this? I mean, do I, do I need this? Will this make my life simpler? For example, Karen and I bought a, a very expensive blender because we eat very healthy. Uh, you can pack foods into it, nutrient-rich foods, and it will feed you and feed you quickly. And it has simplified our life and allowed us to eat healthier easier. And so there's a good, there's a good reason why we wanted the blender. But why the Oakley sunglasses when you can buy $9 sunglasses at the mall? I'm not saying everybody should have $9 sunglasses, but I'm saying you ought to ask why. There may be cases where you need them. If you're a professional and you have an image to keep and you're going to be on posters, then I get it. You're not. And so ask the question, why? Here's where Scripture says our identity comes from. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I don't know why I use this picture except that I love it. It has very little to do with the, uh, it has maybe to do with the sentiment of freedom. I also like that the two guys that threw him are falling into the water. This is where scripture says your identity should come from. It says you're a, a people chosen by God. We can talk, I, I, think, I think chosen is just the ones who respond to him he chooses. So don't get bent out of shape about the word chosen. But you are a people that God has designed to bring light into the world. That's what the passage says. It says that you can go to people in darkness and you can bring forth light into their lives. And you see that when your identity is shaped around that idea is that I'm going to be intimately connected with God and I'm going to allow him to fill my life and I'm going to carry that light out into the world and do whatever I can with it. Whatever he asks me to do with it, that's what I'm going to do. Then all of a sudden the reacher seems a little more ridiculous. The Oakley sunglasses seem a little more ridiculous. Having to own everything starts to seem really ridiculous because you want to be lean, mean, and mobile. You don't want to be tied down to stuff. If God calls you to a country like Bethany is going to, you want to be able to say, yeah, I'll go, bam, and have less to do to get past all the stuff. And so I would encourage you practice the discipline of simplicity. Start to ask, what does that look like and apply it in your life? REI just came out with their campaign for Good Friday. I don't know if you guys saw this, but it's called the Opt Outside campaign. And REI stores have decided that they will close down on Good Friday. Now, this has got to be a multi-million dollar sacrifice on their part. I mean, Good Friday is where most marketers make, what, 60% of their money? 
Like they, they stay in the hole all through the year until Good Friday. What's that? That's what I said, Black Friday. Yeah. yeah. It would be a completely different thing if they stood up on Good Friday. Thank you. Thanks. So on Black Friday, thank you, they, they have decided to close their doors, and they're encouraging people to go outside. They're saying, don't go shopping, go outside. This is a huge deal. There's other companies that have joined in with them. Outdoor Research, Gregory Pax, and Cliff Bar have now decided they're going to close their doors on Black Friday. Outdoor Research has decided that on Black Friday, every single person who tweets a picture of them outside, they're going to donate $10 to Paradox Sports, which helps disabled people get outside. And so there's like this movement happening that says, and people recognize it, they see it. And I'll tell you, this is probably one of the most brilliant business decisions they've ever made. Now, I believe their heart is probably in it, that they're really finding their core values and they're pushing those core values, which is to get people outside. But I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a permanent REI shopper from here on because I see that they recognize a priority that most of the business world doesn't get. Gregory Pax is the same way. Um, cliff bars, I don't eat them, but if, if I have my choice between a bunch of bars, I'm going to grab a cliff bar from now on because I see that they're fighting the machine. As part of the machine, they're fighting from within the machine, and it's pretty, pretty impressive. So I'll leave you with this thought. The song that has probably been covered by more people than any other song. If you get on uh, iTunes, for example, and you type in um, the best things in life, they're free. There's a list of artists that have covered the song, best things in life are free, that's about this long. Sam Cooke's version is the definitive version. You got it. We're going to play it here in just a minute as we exit. But uh, the lyrics, as you can see there, says the moon belongs to everyone. The best things in life, they're free. Stars belong to everyone, they cling, they cling there for you and for me. Flowers in spring, the robins that sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours and they're mine. Love can come to everyone. The best things in life, they're free. And this is the idea behind Christian simplicity, is you don't strive after anything that you can touch thinking that is going to satisfy you or identify you. But instead, you seek after God, something that is free to anyone, anyone who will come to him, he will... He will turn his face towards them, and he will meet them. And when you do that, that's where life comes from. That's where light comes from. It doesn't come from stuff. It comes from God.